Hey, audience, I'm Will Leviste. And I'm Eric Coville. And you tune in to Leviste and Coville. Smart talk without the noise, breaking down the black issues you care about with real facts. Telling it straight from a college-educated and streetwise black male perspective. Because at the end of the day, to us, that's the way it is. Today's show, MLK, Where Are We Now? You know, Eric, man, this um, season that we're in celebrating the uh, birth of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he would have been 92 years old. Wow. This time, man, 92 years old, man. And wow. it just makes me wonder, I think about, as I reflect on his legacy, I'm thinking about he would have been 92 years old. He was assassinated at 39 years old. I, I think a lot of people, that goes over their head, that he was a very yeah. young man, still hadn't, you don't really start really, really figuring life out until you're in your 40s or so. Right. He didn't even make it to his 40s. But here we are in 2021 and still dealing with the same issues that he was dealing with, that he was fighting for. Um, his legacy, I mean, what, what comes to mind for you? Well, first of all, I think you bring up a very important point about you know him and his time on this earth. You know, he really accomplished a lifetime of work in that short time. At 39 years old, a young husband, young father, mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, he was a man that had the weight of the world many times on his shoulders. Absolutely. He, he took up a cause that many people would not take up. He fought for people and individuals and their rights when many people would not. They feared their lives. They feared their financial standing. They feared, feared their economic standing in their community. And they fear being blacklisted across the board because people don't realize a lot of our heroes uh, that we admire, that, that, that we look to, you know, they were blacklisted. Right. Rose Hart, she was blacklisted. She couldn't get a job. Right. You know? uh, after she did, you know, she took a seat so that all of us could take a stand. You know, so when I think about Dr. King, the first thing I think about is what a, the bravery and what a life that man lived for all of us. So that, that's the first thing I think about. The second thing I think about is his education. You know, he is a well-educated young man during that time period. Absolutely. I mean, Will, during that time period, to be college-educated and an African-American <laughs> was was unheard of. If, if that, if you were... If you had that education, I mean, you could name whatever you wanted to do almost in the African-American community. Unheard of and a threat and threatening just, at, just as it is today, you know, to have an education and, and still be perceived very much as a threat because of that education. You know, and you hit another nail on the head. Education. If you take a look at what the system fights against the most, mm -hmm. that's what they fear the most. In this electoral season, we see the vote, right? Individuals trying to stop votes that were cast legitimately, uh, ethically, and within the law, and still wanting to overturn that. That's because the system fears that. Uh, education, still to this day, is the greatest tool that we could use to lift ourselves up for upward mobility through every aspect of society. You know, you know, I was thinking, Eric, you know, when you talk about education, you talk about him and how he valued education. The beauty about it, too, is that he was still very much uh, accessible and very much talk to the common man. Oh, so man. he was educated 
he was, you know, came from a prominent family, but he absolutely didn't carry himself as aloof and as someone who was so heavenly bound, you know, that he was no earthly good. In fact, he was quite the opposite. (laughs) Well, uh, of course, you threw scripture in there. You know, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Amen. That's the humanity, right? (laughs) That's the humanity of Dr. King. And we also did see the humanity of Jesus Christ, right? I mean, God himself in flesh was accessible amongst the lowest, uh, what we thought to be the lowest of society. And Dr. King, he he exemplified that. So I I bring out all the time, when he was assassinated, of course, he gave his mountaintop speech at uh, Mason Temple Church of God in Christ and the headquarters in Memphis, uh, which, of course, is the church organization I was raised in. And, you know, with that, he was there also fighting for garbage workers. Right. You know, the saying, common man. Yeah. yeah, the common man. I mean, it gets no common than the men and women that come pick up our garbage mm-hmm. so that we could have, you know, clean houses, clean yards, clean society. And he was fighting for those people saying that I am a man. And today, we still see those same issues. You know, we need individuals fighting for us and fighting for those that don't have access uh, or that don't have wealth or don't have a voice to really change the system. And Dr. King's model uh, then should be duplicated today in every aspect of society. Corporate America, education, whether it be K through 12, universities, in politics, business, wherever, it should be duplicated. And by doing so, we have to raise the common man up while all of us are, while all of us can enjoy uh, the life that we've been given here on this earth and more specifically achieve the American dream here in, uh, here in America. Man, uh, you know, and I'm struck as you pointed out and you mentioned Jesus Christ. Um, and again, I'm knowing King from his writings and his speeches, he would never want anyone to align him with Jesus Christ in a way if, if that it was some kind of comparison. I mean, Jesus right. Christ is who inspired him to and empowered him and gave him this, this leading of the spirit is what enabled him to go out and do the work that he was doing. But you can't be, you know, you can't, you can't miss the fact that he was taken from us at a young age, just like yeah. Jesus was taken from us at a young age, that he was at the time that he was assassinated was one of the most disliked men in America, like Jesus was one of the <laughs> disliked men, you know, in in Jerusalem, you know, at the time. Yeah. And the other thing that I'm, you know, I'm struck by is, you know, for myself as being uh, my church, uh, Calvary Community Church in Hampton, Virginia, is affiliated with the uh, Mennonite Church. There was a Mennonite pastor, Vincent Harding, who was a close friend of King. Harding and his wife were a close friend of Dr. King and, and Coretta Scott King. And it was Vincent Harding who wrote, uh, co-wrote with King that speech, Beyond Vietnam speech, that many wow. people say led very much to his assassination, where he called out America's militarism and how the the infatuation and almost the, the obsession with the military-industrial complex and constant wars, it was the Vietnam War at the time, was preventing America from really addressing the social and economic issues of the common man, like what you just talked about, that he was out there fighting for. And here we are, we find ourselves still very much 
in that kind of environment where we're spending so much money on military, on fighting overseas. We've been at war endlessly uh, since the uh, 9-11. And some even question whether that is still a legally declared war. Yet we have all of these social and economic problems raging in the country. And, you know, the resources that could be going towards that is going towards you know, building bombs and moving um, military military uh, actions all over the all over the planet. I mean, that says a lot about his legacy that we're still fighting. Yeah. That. Yeah. So, Will, you you touch on how forward thinking uh, Dr. King was and his message. Now, of course, we know that he's known for "I Have a Dream" speech. Uh, we know that that is that's his. Even though he gave many many speeches, uh, he traveled across the country. Uh, even traveled across the world to accept the Nobel Peace Prize. Right. So, but the "I Have a Dream" speech is his uh, is what he's known for and yeah. associating with, because it is a dream and a hope that of a utopian society where imperfect humans can live to work toward a perfected uh, life while we're here uh, on this earth. But he was forward thinking in that he looked at not only the issues of social justice and social injustice, but he also looked at the issues of, of economics. He looked at the issues of self-worth. He looked at the issues of how nations war against each other and how nations who are, are of, the, of, of power and influence take advantage of nations that are not, which is really a microcosm of how we work in society. Right. You know, those that have that take advantage of those that have not. Right. And, you know, they, they call it the pyramid, right? The base of the pyramid is very wide uh, because that's where the most of the people are who are working. You work your way up. And, of course, at the at, at the top of that pyramid is very small. Only a few people can exist there. Like so, the 1% that, that has the, you know, the, the 99% of the wealth and everything that's going on. Yeah. Exactly. And to, to get there, you have to trample on each other. But, you know, what he wanted to do was flip the pyramid on top uh, upside down right. you know you have the 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 elite or those that have worked to lift everyone else up uh so he was forward thinking in that way forward thinking uh across the board internationally across every aspect of our society so in looking at that model and what he did during that time well do you see anybody or do you see emerging leaders of today doing the same thing? Well, not with the same, I don't necessarily see it with the same vigor or with the same broad impact. I mean, there are definitely um, leaders out here now, um, religious leaders of all different faiths who are fighting in their ways on addressing these issues, but not at that broad scale where he had it really on an international scale where people were paying attention to this. And I think that that was one of the big reasons why um, he was so disliked and yeah. they such a campaign against him. And eventually it led to um, his life being taken. Yeah. You know, and one thing about Dr. King is that, you know, we, of course, in the African-American community, uh, we he's revered. Uh, we look to uh, his... And not just him, but others that worked. You know, of course, 
Uh, we look at Representative Lewis that just passed away this, this uh, just last year and others who worked hard, tirelessly uh, during the time period of social injustice of the 60s and 50s. And those that died before Dr. King, Megar Evers and others. Uh, and we can't forget about the women during that time period, Fannie Lou Hamer and others that worked tirelessly uh, for these issues. But he he also fought for all people, you know, not just African-Americans. And I think that when you look at his message across the board, uh, it not only he, the, his words not only worked to lift people up, but it also his words were meant to bring it to awareness and to chastise those that had the ability to do, but did not. Case in point, you mentioned uh, the, 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 the speech that was written uh, in conjunction with the uh, uh, minister from the Mennonite Church. Yeah, beyond Vietnam speech, Vincent Harding, yeah. But I think about, you know, his letter from Birmingham jail mm-hmm. that he wrote to the ministers, and more specifically yeah. that the white ministers, uh, chastising them because they had the ability to change. And he believed that if you were carrying this message of Christ, carrying this message of Christianity, or carrying a message of goodness, of humanity, which most which most religions, they do carry the message of goodness to humanity. Absolutely. You know, then why are you not moving forward? Why are you not pushing the envelope? Why are you not standing up for people that cannot stand up for themselves? What are you afraid of? And he really brought to the forefront how we are all, you know, we we look to a, a heavenly guidance, but we operate here in an earthly realm, and we're all subject to the criticisms of uh, of our fellow mankind. And it's, it's up to us to count up the cost to determine how far do we go. You know, and, you know, for all of us in our lives, that's something that we should do. We should all count up the cost. And we never know what, what, what man, what woman goes through during that time. We, we never know the issues and the pressures that they face. So in, 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 in the lives that we've lived, uh, together, we probably live close to 100 years ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that there are a lot of pressures out there. And right. men and women stand with bravery, that, uh, the, the bravery and heroics that they do. They're to be honored no matter who they are. You know, you mentioned a letter from Birmingham Jail. And again, when we think about the legacy and how so many of the issues are still the same, you know, I think about, you know, our white evangelical brothers and sisters who have been supportive of President Trump, almost to the point of there are people who believe that somehow to be supportive of Trump or to be supportive of the uh, Republican Party is somehow a badge of honor of your Christianity, as if you know you can't be Christian and be part and be an independent as I am. Right. Or you can't be Christian and be a Democrat. Um, it's just interesting how we mix, you know, the gospel and kind of mix uh, and get in many ways misconstrued, you know, our politics as being predominant when it should be, you know, our desire to be like Christ or to to, to live godly lives is what should predominate. But we are in a climate much like what King found himself in and why he wrote that letter to, to from Birmingham jail, because he had fellow Christians, white brothers and sisters, against him. And he is fighting, as you said, for equality and justice for all people. And they're fighting against him for political reasons. Because 
how his fight was going to upset the political and economic environment that he was in. And so it's just, it's just interesting that, again, as we said at the top of the show, so many of the same issues, you know, 40 some, uh, you know, 50, 50, 50 years later are the same issues that we're, you know, we're grappling with uh, today. Look, you know, you bring up a, a issue that I think is going to really hurt uh, the entire Christian movement, or more specifically, the evangelical movement, especially white evangelicals. You know, I've had colleagues who've uh, and friends who've, are, who've attended uh, white evangelical churches and just left in the last uh, 12 years. Because we talk about four years of Trump, but we forget about the eight years of President Obama. And, uh, you know, they saw the true nature of their brothers and sisters that they worship with. And we see the true nature of people. And one thing that uh, the election of President Obama and the election of Donald Trump has done is pull the covers off of every single body just about that that we know. And it is, it's allowing us to see people for who they really are. Right. Uh, so, you know, I know there's a lot of negatives in, in every time period, but there's a lot of positives. But even with the negatives, we can use those as positives. So even those people, that were against Dr. King, he's not only he chastised them because he loved them, but he said, listen, even though you're doing this against me, this is how you can make it right. And I think that in this in this era of council culture and where we don't want to give people second and third chances, even though we've all received many, many chances right. uh, in our lives, you know, that's a message that I think we could take from Dr. King to say, listen, I see how you are. I see how you treat me. I see how you believe. But what can we do now to get it right and work together toward a common good? Uh, so I think that this this is an opportunity to show us uh, who we really are as human beings, because I believe that a forgiven Apostle Paul can do much more good than a dead Saul. Well, I hear you, Pastor. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> You know, now, 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 Will, look, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to pray for your enemies, to love your enemies, right? <laughs> to, do good, uh, to do good for them that uh, despitefully use you and criticize you and tweet against you and all that stuff. But you got to do it, right? I mean, somebody's got to be that example. Somebody's got to show it. And Dr. King showed it. Uh, Jesus Christ showed it. And many other people in our lives have showed it. Even uh, uh, President Nelson Mandela. I mean, he showed it. And those individuals and their humanity, their kindness and grace uh, to their fellow man, even their enemy, should be an inspiration to us all. Now, I know that's not the sexy message, right? That's not the eye for an eye. <laughs> you know, but if we're, if we're going to move together and forward in the world, then I think we have to take up that mantra. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I think, again, that's, that's where I come with the the gospel of looking out for people, looking out for those who are less fortunate, trying to find a way for all of us to, to move together to a higher level is what we should be striving for. But, you know, I, I just see people taking the gospel and having it fit into their political yeah. box. And again, me as a depend, as a independent, I think that it's fine for um, 
uh, black brothers, black Christians to be Republicans. I think it's fine to be Democrats. You know, I think it's fine to not be associated with any party. But I think the challenge becomes is when you start making the gospel start contorting it to fit your political views and then start saying that if you are not on this political side, that somehow you are not a Christian. I think that that's a problem because God is much, much, much bigger. I mean, God is about the entire cosmos. God is not just about even what's going on in America or even what's going on in your little town. And I think that's the message that Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about, giving us a focus on the bigger picture, the bigger message of the gospel, the bigger mission of Jesus Christ for the entire world and trying to get us to tap into that and just see how we can individually in our lives, how we interact with people, live that out in a real meaningful way. You know, one of the things I was thinking about is um, looking at the black community, where King was at at the point that he was assassinated, he was talking about economic yeah. development and wealth. He, the, the, the Southern Freedom Movement was about changing laws because we were supposed to be a nation of laws and changing laws and how that would change our social condition. But then he realized that some of those changes major as they were and still minor in some other ways, didn't make a huge dent in the economic lives of black people. What do you see us being in terms of that being a focus that we should be on? Because it seems to me that that mantle was never fully taken up by the leadership that followed Martin Luther King. Economic uh, development and emphasis. Well, Will, I, I think that is the absolute most important uh, issue of social injustice today. Mm-hmm. I know that we've seen in the summer of 2020, Black Lives Matter movement across the board and across the world address issues of how Black people are treated uh, in society. Right. Uh, and one message that was that that really didn't get a lot of airplay because of all of the terrible um, uh, uh, visuals of George Floyd, Breonna right. Taylor, Ahmaud right. Arbery, you know, and, and right. yeah, I mean, so of course that took up the all the oxygen in the room. But economics, you know, a few African American professionals talked about how they felt marginalized in the workplace and in the business community. But, you know, it, it really didn't take a, a life of its own. Hands down, you know, if you're able to bring yourself up economically, mm-hmm. right, you, your family, it impacts your generations. You know, all things are about economics. You know, you don't have to like me, but it, you have to respect me. I have to respect you. So I think that the economic inequality And again, I don't talk about uh, equality alone, but also the economic inequity should be addressed. And there's a difference between being equal and being equitable. You know, being equal simply means that everybody gets the the, the same. Being equitable means you meet the the people where their need is in order to get up to a certain level that everyone else is or, or have the opportunity, the opportunity to actually live and actually obtain. So educationally, financially, politically, I think those are the main three areas of social 
inequities and social justice that I think we should uh, start to tackle. At the bottom is political. At the in the middle uh, is at the top is educational, and in the middle is 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 financial, because I believe that education dictates your finances or your financial situation, uh, which also helps to dictate and move the political arm. Now you could those those could, those can be inverse, uh, depending on the issue, depending on the area, depending on the time, depending on the, upon the election, right? Because everyone can vote. Once you turn a certain age, you can vote. It's free. It is a it's a right that you have. Right. You fought and bled for. Responsibility that you have. Exactly. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned responsibility. It is our responsibility to vote. It is our responsibility to be engaged. How we do it, you know, we've seen peaceful protests. We've seen angry protests. But we also have seen, in just the last few days, violent insurrections. Violent mobs, you know, to try to overturn, you know, a just election uh, to try to keep power. So, you know, we live in a time period, I think, that is much way better than the time period that our fathers and mothers lived in and their parents, our grandparents, and then our great, great uh, grandparents. You know, we've been able to trace our family back to the plantation in which uh, sugarcane plantation that our great, great, great grandfather and great, great, great grandmother came from. And we're living a much better life than they live. Right. But at the same time, we're still fighting those same issues uh, that we see today. So we have to be engaged. We have to ensure that we stay informed, informed with good information, not disinformation, but good information so that we can make a better choice to move forward. So as we wrap, because, you know, as we wrap up each show, we like to talk about, well, what should black people do? And I think you hit on a lot of the key points about being engaged, staying informed, getting and relying on real information right. that you can make solid decisions on. And I think one of the key things that we can do is to actually go back and really go beyond just the I have a dream speech. Yes. And actually look at what. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and others during that time were specifically focused on around the time of his assassination. And like I said, he had realized, okay, we made certain changes in the law and that still hasn't made changes for our people, for example, in the inner cities as it pertains to economics, wealth building, getting jobs. This is one of the reasons why he was in Chicago went to Cicero in Chicago and started pressing those issues. And right. became, like I said, at that time, he was one of the most hated men in America as we revere him today yeah. as an icon and put him on stamps. And even people who would have been against him, Republicans, for example, who would have been against him are now quoting him. <laughs> looking at actually what did he actually and others were focused on at that time. Because they were talking about wealth building. They were talking about economic development. They were talking about jobs and freedom. You know, the March right. on Washington was a march on jobs, Washington for jobs right. and freedom. It wasn't just a march on Washington just to be marching. So I think right. we should go back and really look at those areas and pick up that mantle. That's Even right. though it's 50-some-odd it's years later, it's not too late. And I think in many ways, <laughs> we've got different People, I look at the hip hop generation, for example, yeah. that we come out of, and all the entrepreneurship 
yeah. that has come out of that and the entrepreneurial spirit that we see coming out of the, the Gen Zs. Now, I think that is something that Martin Luther King would absolutely be proud of in terms of his legacy, economic well, development, wealth building, very much leads to freedom. Well, Will, I'll simply end with, I agree with you 110%, and I'll add when I tell all of my mentees and anyone that God gives me the ability to help. First of all, freely I, I receive, therefore freely I give. And who am I to withhold any good thing that's in my hand? I think if we live by those principles in society and learn to help our fellow man, then we'll be better off. And lastly, I say, number one, don't forget where you came from. Number two, pay it forward. And number three, pay it back. And by doing so, we'll reproduce that which is the goodness of us and all humanity. Well, that's a good word. And, and that's a wrap for this edition of LaVise and Claville. Special thanks to our producer, Ben Bailey, who keeps everything right and tight behind the controls. Check us out weekly as we discuss Black issues in order to empower you and all of us to do the things that we must do to thrive. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also in our LinkedIn and website, Lavise and Claville. And if you have a question, email us at lavisandclaville at gmail.com. Because at the end of the day, to us, that's the way it is. We'll see you next time.